welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. And this is episode 166. And uh, we have a, a, a bumper a bumper gang, a bumper crew on board uh, today. It's like a kind of um, BBC radio uh, zoo. Can everybody all shout hi at the same time now. <laughs> hi. Um, hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. You see? Yeah. Oh, God, that really did that. It sounded like sort of Chris Evans circa 1995. Or <laughs> I'm thinking more like the Steve Wright show circa 1987, yeah. but still. Like, but um, the reason is we've got, uh, we, we have um, among our guests, we have the, uh, the winners of the um, sitcom uh, scene challenge, which, which uh, I did a, a, a few, seems like 10 years ago, but was a few months ago. Um, which was uh, won by uh, Becca Bain and uh, Alex Garrick-Wright, and they're with us uh, today. Hello. Say hello individually. That would be good. Yeah. Hiya. <laughs> Hi. Uh, <laughs> Classic. And um, also uh, joining us, uh, because uh, we're, we're, today's show really is a, kind of, is a celebration of uh, what's been called the two-minute movie, uh, which is a, so the comedy sketch or the, the funny comedy scheme, so the funny comedy scene. And uh, so we have uh, the two uh, rising stars of the TV, new TV company, Daddy's Super Yacht. Uh, and they, they are basically dedicated to reviving uh, the sketch. Uh, and so James and I say hurrah to that. Um, so please welcome Charlie Dinkin. Hello. And Ben Sutton. Hello, hi, hello. Hi, well, it's fantastic to have the four of you here because, of course, over the years, uh, the regular listeners will know, James and I have moaned at length uh, about the decline of sketch comedy. Um, and this was a place, you know, where so many top writers began their careers. Uh, Andy Hamilton, Guy Jenkin, David Rennick, John Sullivan, Victoria Wood. Um, and actually, uh, before we... Uh, came on to uh, do this podcast i've been i've been having quite a long uh, email back and forth with uh, alex and um, we've been uh, discussing how uh, scottish uh, bbc scotland has been the the lone pioneer of of comedy sketches for more or less the last sort of 10 20 years or so with uh, limmy and berniston chewing the fat and again those shows have produced fantastic uh, sitcoms off the back of it so um that's that. Uh, that is great news. But um, just just looking at the schedules at the moment, James. I mean, sketch sketches on TV, sketches on radio. That apart from John Vinivor, Moore and Horrible Histories, I don't think there's there's anything, is there? Yeah, it's a real shame. It's it's pretty slim pickings, and it, especially on BBC One. I mean, we had Armstrong and Miller for a few years, and that that was pretty good. I, I liked. Quite, you know, you got the you got the pilots sketch. <laughs> Uh, which could, you know, that could have been a sitcom on its own, right? Couldn't it? Um, mm. <laughs> but, uh, but I think in general, uh, there's Harry and Paul, I guess, as well. We're doing stuff, but they're, they're kind of established character comedians. But I guess yeah. the big, the big headline is on that. And the reason for its decline is sketch TV comedy is really expensive. Uh, and it's very hit and miss. And launching one, you know, is, feels in some ways like even la- riskier than launching a sitcom. And so uh, it's died. And I remember speaking to David Mitchell a few years after the last series of the Mitchell and Webb uh, show on BBC Two. And I said, oh, it's a shame you stopped doing, you know, the, that show. And he said, we'd love to do more. You know, yeah. we didn't want to stop doing it. Um, and yet it was decided that that had run its course and that was that. So, um, so yeah, there has been a veer away from the mainstream 
uh, from even though obviously there's lots of stuff going on at the Edinburgh Festival, but even there actually there's a lot of one man shows, whimsical shows, people explaining things or talking about you know how they had their luggage stolen uh, in Tunisia, and that's a show. You know, a bad thing happens to you. It's like yes. Your Edinburgh show is sorted. Um, and the, the actual classic old sketch comedy, like um, Rufus, uh, when we spoke to him, he, he wrote Home, uh, Rufus Jones, you know, was the Dutch Elm Conservatoire. Um, but I don't know, maybe that stuff is still yeah. going as strong as ever. I don't know. Well, I'd be interested to know. We will, we'll talk about the competition uh, and, and, and the kind of mechanics of sketch writing and, and, and two-minute scene writings in a moment. But I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to bring Charlie and Ben in at this point and say, you know, given what James has just said about how the problem is that making sketch shows is very expensive. So um, I guess that um, Daddy's super yacht maybe is a clue. <laughs> but uh, is that, um, you know, uh, you have expensive tastes in TV making or what? What, what made you, makes you what has drawn you to the sketch form then yeah so p partially it's like kind of the exact opposite to us um we we started in august we we all worked at um bbc studios and various other places before that so we, we formed our own company in august and uh i think we love sketch and there's lots of natural reasons why we want to do sketch creatively but also sketch is a place where we can work on extremely small budgets for broadcasters actually not that anyone's given us a tv sketch show but certainly like the digital sketch space does seem to be i don't know if people really desperately want to put any money into it but it is a, a sort of semi-affordable place to put money into new talent and to say you have a kind of new talent strand so no we're not making loads of money we make things extremely cheap and that's why it's sketches yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess there's been that revolution in there's been a democratization of 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 the media because the what's I mean, it used to be you needed a camera, you know, that cost twenty six thousand pounds and had to be operate operated by a guy called Jeff or Barry uh, <laughs> normally. Um, and uh, that stuff has all gone, really. But actually, there's an awful lot of stuff around sketch to, to make. To, it's, it's a question of finding the right location getting everything out the way, making it look right. But I guess that the grammar of the way that sketches are now and YouTube has kind of changed the rules completely anyway. And now people can kind of tune into what's the basic idea. I'm not going to really worry about all the peripheral stuff here. I mean, do you want to speak a little bit about how the way we consume stuff via YouTube and TikTok or whatever? I mean, I've just said as if I consume TikTok, what a ridiculous <laughs> idea. Uh, but... Do you want to just talk a bit about how that has probably been your friend rather than your, your foe or has it? Yeah, I think uh, it, that I think it's, it's easy to kind of look at it and go, oh, well, you know, attention spans and TikTok and lowest common denominator and all of that sort of stuff. But actually, I think that like online sketches, which is really where our specialism is. Uh, are really a very exciting place to be making comedy, especially like as we are just like starting to come out of this, pandemic now i think that some people who have been you know ad ad adopting and adapting to tiktok and twitter to get any kind of content out there um have been doing really really interesting and exciting and innovative things with the the format on incredibly low budgets in their bedrooms and and in places like that so i actually think um i, I think these things are are really positive i just think that you have to look at them differently 
from a TV sketch show. They're not the same. They're not really the same beast at all. I mean, they're both funny, but I think that one of the differences between a TV, uh, the main difference between a TV sketch show and a sketch show that you would encounter online is that you go looking for a TV sketch show you go onto iplayer and you log in and you click play and you watch it whereas sketches on the internet come looking for you so the proposition is different so you are you are all you are kind of pitching your sketch idea on the fly to your audience all the time um that that doesn't um that that sort of feels like it's very kind of uh ephemeral though doesn't it i mean are you are you actually picking up any uh, interest from the sort of mainstream tv companies at all are we or are like TikTok yeah. producers? Yeah, you, I mean, yeah, I think so. The t- yeah, we're not making those like TikTok style sketches. So we're making sketches to like quite specific parameters, which um, for broadcasters tend to be like over three minutes, which would kind of be like the antithesis of what you're told and what you really want to do to put online anyway. So, we, you know, even at the moment, we found ourselves on the one hand, we're making a project where all the sketches have to be 90 seconds. On the other hand, we're doing a project where all the sketches have to be more than three minutes. They have to have very different like dimensions to them. Um, I think those sort of like three minute ones are kind of leaning towards the idea that we would make a tv show at some point whether or not we'd make a tv sketch show i guess part of the exercise is proving that we can like sustain narrative and make a budget stretch and like put a character in a world in a way that you wouldn't need to do on those shorter ones Mm -hmm. so yeah i think the intention is that it it goes towards that but i would never want to like undermine how good it is just to make individual things that live online and in their own world as well i think any kind of ranking that a a TV show would be the end goal is is also like not really fair and undermines all the people doing a really amazing sketches online. Mm. Do you want to talk about what, because presumably you are wading through dozens of online videos that you're watching from people, stuff that people are making. I'd imagine people are going to be sending you, you know, obviously millions of people listen to this podcast. um, And let's assume dozens of them might get in contact with you and say, Hey, I made a sketch and send you a link. And there's very likely to be something pretty obviously wrong with it because it's the same thing. You know, almost every sitcom script I read at least another two since we recorded the last episode where nothing happened in the first 10 pages. And the protagonist was the least interesting character and spent their whole episode being introduced to people. Um, So, you know, but from a sketch DIY sketch point of view, as it were, what mistakes do you see? Uh, people making and it may also be that Alex and Becca have got some insights uh, on that as well so do do mm. jump in uh, if, when Charlie and uh, Ben have maybe had a couple of thoughts I think I think it's similar to what you're saying in that in, in that sense of pacing in those first 10 pages but in, in our case it's more like the first 10 <laughs> seconds you know so so it's it, people don't get into their ideas quickly enough uh, they often make them too complex they re- like really need to focus on the one point the one funny idea that they're trying to make and then expand it out from there uh it kind of goes back to that thing i was saying before about the content seeking out the audience in a way in that like we all do it like we all scroll this is an exercise you can do if you are a a sketch maker or comedy writer it's like scroll through your twitter feed your facebook feed whatever and just like acknowledge what the things you're stopping on whether they're comedy or not why are you stopping there and then you can start to see why a long introductory establishing shot that sets up the world it's probably not going to be the thing that you need to get somebody through the door um i don't know charlie if you had some other thoughts yeah. on 
I think a mistake, well, to me, it's like a sketch can have loads of different ingredients and it, not every sketch needs to have every ingredient. Like you can have a more character led sketch. You can have a sketch that is like filled with puns and like really witty writing. You can have a sketch that's just like a single idea, but I, I guess it's like, know which one of those you're doing. So sometimes people will send stuff to us and it has like a paragraph of character description at the top. And it's like, if it's not on the page in the actual script, it's not going to end up on the in the thing. So it's like no good you explaining to us how it should work. It kind of like whatever element it is you tr choose to focus on, whether it's a character piece, whether it's set in a wacky world where there's a straight man or a straight world where there's a wacky person, like just you have to play that thing out in the scene itself and kind of like not try to do too much, I guess. Because uh, um, Becca and uh, Alex, you do uh, topical sketches, don't you? You do stuff for uh, the Treason Show, and uh, that, that's a that's a completely different, uh, a, whole, a whole other sort of discipline, isn't it? Really, how how talk talk us through uh, that that process. It's uh, it, it gets pretty intensive. Obviously, you've got quite a quick turnaround, and being topical means that you've you've really got to kind of chase the ideas as fast as you can. So. There's not enough time to be overly critical of what you're writing, which can be a blessing, I would say. Um, but we we've loved our time on the Treason Show. We we found that topical sketch writing or one-liner writing is a really good way to kind of start mm -hmm. in the pr more professional aspects of comedy writing. So we've like loved creating crazy characters off people who are real. Like um, we turned Joe Biden into a doddery old man who likes to lecture people by the fire yeah. and we we've created a character called anti-vax who's like the drunk aunt you see on facebook right. so like you there's still these these remits to create and be silly so it's not a dampener on creativity which is always really good yeah. one of the one of the things about topical comedy is you're going into it and a lot of the time people are familiar with the story that's that you're you're uh, making fun of that you're taking the comedy out of so you can go into it and very quickly you show someone in a ratty blonde wig and a disheveled suit and they go boris johnson i've got it that character is sorted they know already <laughs> that that character is now set you don't need to go through the rigmarole of establishing the who what where as rigorously because if you come in and it's boris johnson with a roll of wallpaper they know what you're talking about already because it's been front page news so you can kind of just get straight into the funny part of it and it lets you keep them quite snappy. It's So yeah, but in, in that way, it can be quite different to normal sketch writing where you have to establish the who, what, where really quickly so people know what's going on. But uh, like what Becca said, sometimes the characters you get based off of news stories or based off of real people are so vivid that there's, there's sketches we've written that were topical that afterwards, after the story is gone, you can just change the names and a couple of details. And it's a really strong sketch because it's about something really bizarre or really interesting that is inherently funny. That if you strip the topicality out of it, it's still funny. Hmm. And so I guess what we're learning there is just that the intentionality of every single frame, of every moment, of everything that you're seeing. If it's a topical sketch, it's like... It's related to this story. Here's a roll of a wallpaper. Bang, we're in there. If 
if you're if you have no context for your sketch and someone's scrolling past it on Instagram or whatever, then they need some kind of hook immediately to get them in. And so therefore it is that and it's it's the same with sitcom as well. If you're writing situation comedy and it's something I've I've banged on about a fair bit, which is this is episode 166 i've banged on about a lot quite a fair bit but that first impression the first thing the character does the first thing the character says what what are we saying what are they doing when we find them you know when when they're walking in are they carrying something or what what should they have that they don't have you know for example um so it's all of those really it's, it's it's heavy stage management it's what jonathan lynn talks about in his book which is the excellent book about i think it's from the cambridge footlights to yes prime minister or something he's also a film he's also a theater director and he's all about you know being a magician and getting the audience to look here and think that so it's just making sure that every every frame every line is pulling super hard especially in that first page you know especially in those first five seconds because I guess take a moment to think how quickly, yeah, you 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 decide whether to watch something or not, and then be honest about whether you produce something that you yourself would stop to watch, and then do it again. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think, and um, I, I I'm curious to know actually. Um, I'm, in fact, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll talk about the um, the the competition now because uh, i'm sorry i'm curious know, that... to know about what you were curious to know <laughs> yeah. that's a double curiosity well, that's coming up and I, <laughs> okay. I, I, I want to talk about uh you know kind of the the, the thing that, that, that james and i mentioned uh, just before we started which is that you know james, we, we we do um you know we, we we've we've been at it for a while uh it's a sort of polite way of putting the decades of uh, banging our heads against the the, the comedy wall uh but uh, that you you guys are all sort of relatively new to it but I, I think before i get to that i did i would like to um discuss the the um scene that um that won our uh competition for you know writing a scene for a sitcom because uh i i'm curious to know uh, if i i I've, the title was um revolting people well no it wasn't what that was it i've forgotten what the title was of your your sitcom Cooking sorry up the public. uh Coconut Republic. I got it completely wrong <laughs> in both words. But apart from getting the completely wrong both, I think I got the syllables right. Uh, so Coconut Republic, um, it read, you know, it, it, it had a good uh, telling me what was happening before and telling me what was going to happen after. But it sort of was obviously had been worked very well. Uh, it's a lovely sort of two-minute scene. It's been up, uh, it, it, we've talked about it on the show before, and it's up on our uh, the the, the um, sitcom geeks uh, page, I think as well. Um, but did you actually when, when you wrote that? Have, had you written the whole sitcom or uh, already, or uh, or was this just like taking out a scene and, and working it working it up? Uh, yeah, we poached it directly from our pilot. Oh, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> that is impressive because it did. Because uh, um, uh, what what interested me with that is you could take that scene out of the uh, out, out of the context, and and you did, you know, and it, it, with a few little tweaks at the beginning and the end, it would have been possible to have created that just as a standalone uh, sketch, really. And um, I'm 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 just interested to know how you know that 
when once you you know when you, you sort of got the idea for that uh show and then how you kind of um how you look at each scene when you're kind of working on a, a sitcom i mean it's a very high concept sitcom isn't it it's about a bunch of um uh, engineers who uh sort, sort of british engineers i think isn't it and they go to some um kind of tin pot uh republic somewhere some uh not 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 named but kind of familiar and and are kidnapped you know but then that's kind of oh and then they're freed really quickly you know so there's obviously like massive intrigue and stuff going on but how, how did you um what first of all what how did you kind of come up with that idea i had that idea uh years and years and years ago and i just written down loads and loads of notes loads of ideas for oh in this episode this could happen in this episode, this could happen, and I never did anything with it until Beck and I started writing together. And then I kind of nervously went, oh, I've got this idea that I don't really know what to do with. And we thought, okay, we'll make this a project. Started writing it, and yeah, it just spilled out. The pilot episode was so much fun to write. We, we came up with plot synopsis for first series of six episodes, ideas for a second series, third series, fourth <laughs> series. Um, oh, blimey. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it just, it kind of ran away. I, ha I have to ask, is the pilot being made yet? <laughs> no, um, it is not for anyone who is listening. Great. <laughs> um, <laughs> the and the script are available, as are the writers. Uh, I mean, what's, we, we, so let's just apply the, the sitcom geeks test to it. I mean, it's it's a great story and I can picture it immediately. You've got this kind of world um, of developing countries, rich resources, people in suits being sent out to them and having kind of adventures. But, you know, what what's at the heart of the show? You know, what's what's it really about? It's it's kind of playing on the fish out of water aspect. So it's the British people getting sent to this island, but without sounding too cliched, in the process, they kind of find themselves more than they would have if they'd stayed in in Britain. So the three kind of protagonists, um, one's a diplomat, so he's always felt like he's needed to have a very professional face on anything, not be himself, kind of suppress his working class kind of northern roots. And then through interactions with other characters on this island where all those things do not remotely matter. Like they've got real problems or th things are considered more important. And he's kind of taught through that, that he can be himself and still be successful. So at the heart of it, you've got <laughs> eccentric characters that are teaching the protagonists mm. that they can be mm. more themselves, yeah. I would say. That's great. Uh, mm. Do you, do you agree with that, Alex? Is that about right? Or you just think, wow, this is all new to me. I don't see it like that at all. No, I, I completely agree. These three characters, the three protagonists are all very, very different. They've got different personalities, different goals, different histories. And this new environment and the characters that inhabit it bring out aspects of them. They let them hmm. flourish and grow in different ways so that the characters at the end of the series are fuller sort of people than they were when they started and they wouldn't have been if they hadn't gone to this island hmm. yeah the, the, I thought, the, I was, go on Dave 
I was just going to say that I'm, 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 I like the way, and you, you know, when, when I read the script, it did stand out. But I like you saying now, it's about fish out of water, and you know, it is that that that's just kind of classic uh, cliche that we use when we describe, you know, we try and describe uh, shows, and it's, um, you know, well, we, I, I have banged on similarly in the way that James has about uh, the. the uh, that opening is, you know, if you, you, when you've got something really kind of simple to, to, to as, as your hook like that, um, then it does, uh, it, it just helps a great deal. And I think, and again, I want to come back to Charlie and, uh, and Ben now. And, and uh, you know, you, Ben, you were just talking a little bit earlier, but you, you got to have like one simple idea. And do you, do you think that having a sort of comedy cliche thing helps when you're kind of coming up to writing a sketch? Uh, yeah, to a degree. I think that it can be. Um, you, you don't want it to be something that that is really, really well trodden. Especially if you're if, if you're working in, in online and you you're, you make a sketch. Like if you try to make a topical sketch around a subject and everybody's tweeting about it and all the jokes are sort of done on it. I don't think that you can't do something and tread ground that's been trodden before. But I think you have to find something new to say with it or be the definitive sketch on a simple idea or that's what your aspirations should be. So I think, yeah, good, good as a jumping off point, but um, always, always good to find something novel in there as well. Yeah, you should definitely. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I I think a really good way into a sketch is to like go and um, nick a bit of structure from anywhere else. So you, you know, you can watch any comedy show, really, and, and they're playing a game, I guess is the terminology to use there. It's like identify what the game is that's being played in a scene in Friends. And then you can put that same structure onto into an area or an idea that you've had and try a few of them and see if they work. And bare minimum, they might, like, spark what the actual joke you're going for is. I think I'm, like, a, a really big fan of that, actually. You shouldn't – not every single observation – I mean, every observation should be like interesting and an interesting new take, but like not every way that every sketch plays out is completely innovative and unique every time. You're just, if you, once you know what it is, you can put your spin on it and that's the key. Mm. And I think the medium again is really important in that because the, I was just thinking of that, the, the scene that won the competition, if you were filming it as a standalone sketch, you would probably start it in a slightly different place. And if it was a standalone sketch, you it depends on whether it's a TV sketch show sketch or whether it's an Instagram sketch, because if it's Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie doing a sketch, you're going to give them 30 seconds to, to, to tell you what the rules of this sketch are. And they may surprise you and take you in a completely different direction. And they get to do that. You don't get to do that. You know, you don't have 30 seconds in the same way that people are writing sitcom scripts where the first 10 minutes is basically driving around and setting up as if I've paid nine quid to see this at a cinema. And I'm not I'm not going to walk out (laughs) after 10 minutes because it's people driving around and talking, um, you know, before the explosion and the helicopters and all that kind of other stuff. So it's just worth being mindful of the fact that. If you try to copy your heroes, you know, you, you want to bear in mind that they're working on different parameters in a different time. Mm-hmm. And even now, you know, so, you know, Famalam is a sketch show, isn't it? I've not seen much Famalam. Yes, but it's great. That has, yeah, Brilliant no, I've heard, yeah, I've heard good it. things about it. But again, they've sort of got 20 seconds to set something up where they don't necessarily have to be funny. Um, but because you're not scrolling past, um, but you, you don't have that. 
So you just want to be... Well, fa- Famalam's a really interesting example, actually, because I think that Famalam is uh, is an example of a sketch show that has a more symbiotic, symbiotic relationship with the internet than maybe an older, more mm. traditional TV show. Because all of that BBC Three sketch stuff gets chopped mm. up and repurposed as those kind of like online sketches. So you'll see loads of Famalam sketches appear on BBC Three's feed with millions and millions of views, maybe even more views than some of the episodes of the TV show got because they reach out. But but I think that there are really good examples in there of of sketches that that serve both, that can do mm. both things. Um, and I actually think that they're really that that show in particular really had a, a really good sense of where sketch was going and how it was moving and and really trod that balance between what a tv sketch is and what an online sketch is and how to make both of those things appealing i think that there's a really great one the the um the two the two different postcode gangs who keep complimenting each other over (laughs) snapchat which is a really good example and that was like like a massive online internet sensation when it came out and i think if you go find it it's still doing really well but but also like set set had a place in the tv show in a really funny way as well um and you know that other one where um the guy's praying to jesus in church and then he discovers that jesus (laughs) is black and he's 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 Curious about it. So that that sketch also translated so yeah, well online one, yeah. because you were you were very very visual sketches right from the beginning right from the off and Famalam's a really great example of of those really really visual cinematic ideas sort of laying the groundwork for as you were sort of saying like what are they carrying what they have those visual things that that sell the whole situation to you in less than mm. five seconds. Yeah, I think what's um and and I'd like to sort of come back now to the the thing I was going to talk about before, but in in the context of what what we've been saying here, um, that uh, how James and I, you know, when we started out, it was like, I mean, I was a stand-up and James was a a writer. And, you know, those those were the roots uh, that we took. And it's the way you're talking now about sketches, it sounds like you're not just talking about I want to make comedy. You're, you, 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 and, and I know that uh, Becca and Alex, you make your your own sketches as well, don't mm-hmm. you? And I just thought, when you know, for people coming in now, it's not enough, is it, to just say I want to write comedy, or I want to write and perform comedy. I'd, I'd like to hear different from you, different sort of thoughts about, you know, what what are you thinking thinking about when you think I want to have a career in comedy, and how are you how are you kind of sort of branding yourself which is a word that would you know 20 30 years ago none of us would ever have dreamed of using but but i'd just be curious to hear you all kind of talk about that sorry just the self-branding thing as you just give a bit of thinking time i always Mm. used to say if somebody gives you their card and says that i'm a writer here's my card (laughs) they're not a writer Who? No, no one does that. I mean, so in, in my day, everyone was always, as it were, in my day, I'm 45. But for the last 20 years, writers are kind of shambolic and have been finding their way through from this to this. And and actually, the way in which I made my way is still available via Newsjack, just about. But a lot of those ways in are, are only very suitable to a small number of people. So therefore, even if it makes you do feel slightly queasy, you do have to position yourself and brand yourself. Uh, so yeah, how does it look from where you are? Um, who wants to go first? Yeah, uh, Charlie, go for it. So um, I guess I'm like probably the most similar to that kind of traditional route. Then in that I was the BBC staff 
writer last year. Um, I didn't come in through Newsjack. I came in by... Um, I, I, by the laundry. Yeah. <laughs> in, I in a basket. In. And, I and then the, the pandemic happened. I, I had there. to leave. I was very mad. Um, I started by uh, working with stand-ups and directing stand-up shows. I was like doing some stand-up myself, but I was uh, directing as a way to be like co-writing. And then that transferred into co-writing a radio show. Um, and then that led to me being the bursary writer. However, what I will say is I finished the bursary in February. I would definitely consider myself a comedy writer and I want to be a comedy writer. I've not been offered enough work since like I, I could not have been a professional comedy writer. The only way I've carried on working in comedy since then is that we started our company and we created our own work. So I guess like in my heart, I do feel I'm a writer and that is what I would want to do and the bit that I most care about. But I don't want to be like, if I can't do it, no one can. I don't think it's that at all. But it's like, I literally did that traditional route that is like, said it, that's what you're told is the route last year. And I guess remains to see how it will shake out. But I'm not convinced you can just sit back and say you're something and like, hope it comes to you anymore. And uh, so Becca and Alex, who are new started, uh, I mean, how long have you been um, kind of making your own uh, stuff? And, and was that always a conscious uh, decision? Yeah, how long has uh, it been? We met. Uh, we started writing uh, just under two years ago. We started writing together, and we put our first. We first filmed a sketch and put it out. I want to say July last year, something like that. And uh, last last year, for the last few months of the year, we put out a sketch, wrote it, recorded it, and put it on YouTube and Twitter and. Instagram and everything uh, every week. That's awesome. That's amazing. Every week. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that was, that was interesting because I was doing the majority of the filming and I live in Shetland. And when lockdown made it impossible to film indoors, you had to film outdoors. And you want to try filming outdoors in Shetland in winter? It, <laughs> <laughs> it does not happen. So we, we wound up having to kind of diversify a bit. So we were doing like, uh, we were doing comedy trailers and mashing up uh, clips of different films. We did, for Halloween, we did like a Guide to Ghosts and a Guide to Vampires, which was voiceover on, it was a character-based voiceover on clips from films because we physically couldn't film anything. It, Love that. The only, the only <laughs> um, sketches we've been in together is when, I came down to Edinburgh and brought my stuff with me and we recorded three sketches in one day. And then we released them over the next few weeks. Um, oh. Yeah. There was a big thing when everyone was asking how do how do writing partnerships work together now that lockdown's happening? And Alex and I were just like, oh, we know. <laughs> We've been doing it exactly the entire the time. Yeah. We were doing it the end. Yeah, nothing really changed for us, but it was a really good creative challenge for us because we were we were entering the open submissions on Newsjack and we were starting to do more topical stuff. But creatively, just to do our own stuff, we started writing the sketches together and you can submit them to certain things. There's, there's podcasts that you can submit them to now and they don't have to be topical, which is fantastic. But really, more and more now, the way... The way to get work out there that you have written is to do it yourself mm. and you would not get a rate of one sketch a week by submitting it no matter how many yeah. places you never. are submitting it to you would never get out there at the same rate so it's really 
a big avenue now if you want to be a writer you kind of have to be willing to perform as well um especially right now because of lockdown stuff as things open up more as long as you can get people Mm -hmm. to act or you have names attached and Mm -hmm. then you can build it that way but over the past year, if you want to write sketches, you have to be willing to perform sketches. I and did say. you did you do you find do you find that now that you also are you, you know making them and and putting them out and filming them and, and all that sort of stuff that it that it's changed your approach as writers as well, or is that remain no. similar? I think. Um, no, no. Sorry, go on. Um, I think. It's kind of, I hate to say it, it's made us a bit more like aware of the formulas and the tropes, things like that. So rather than being a purely, oh, you know what would be funny, let's throw this in here. We're going, okay, we need to add this at this point. What's the ending going to be before we even started? So kind of learning by doing, but then bringing those outside things that we've been doing beyond sketch writing into the sketch as well. Cool. So yeah, I think we've we've evolved, right. <laughs> I would say. Where, where can we find your many sketches then? <laughs> um alex can say because i'm like Uh, we have a uh we have a youtube channel under the name bonnie and clyde side and we put uh, our sketches on there uh, every week and we also release them on twitter and facebook and instagram as well wow i'm really excited to hear people making stuff and making it regularly i've just uh, made a video um, for my uh, writing your sitcom uh, video course about making your own stuff. And although within the context, particularly of my scripts not getting anywhere, well, I'll show you, I shall film it myself, um, which is actually not a good reason for attempting to make a sitcom and to film 28 minutes worth. Um, it's like, that's probably not going to make your writing look good. And it's also a formation of bitterness and rage that is only going to harm you in the long term at the risk of sounding like Jordan Peterson. Oh man, that's going to eat you up, man. You can't, you know, all that stuff. But, um, but the, the thing that keeps you going, cause it is technically difficult to do it is I think there's a lot to be gained from being excited about learning some new skills, but also figuring out what you're not interested in learning and trying to get someone else to do it mm. all that kind of stuff. Have you found, have you, as you've been making your stuff, you know everybody here to, to the group um that there's part of making and shooting and editing and all that stuff that you've found surprisingly interesting and that you're actually quite good at that you would like to do more of and that you could help other people do and how has the actual process itself surprised you and what have you learned uh, through that i found i quite like video editing uh, i okay I certainly if you look if you look at <laughs> sketches I, i've got not a I, I edit video and uh, for audio sketches, Beck edits those, um, which splits it up a wee bit. But looking at the older sketches, the amount of time it took to make a 90 second sketch was absurd. Absolutely absurd mm. compared to now where that would hardly phase me at all. And being able to experiment and do more interesting things and try new techniques and it does, when you get into stuff like that, it does affect you as a writer because I'll be writing things thinking, how is this going to work? Let alone, mm. it's the kind of traditional writer's thing of you write it and then it's someone else's problem, how that comes about. But sometimes we'll be working on a script and I'll go, I can't do, I physically can't do that. Or I can do it this way. Yeah, he's put it. Yeah. I, yeah. 
He's put a dampener on a fair few of my ideas <laughs> by doing that. I, I, the I love the fact that Becca's so okay. confident in my editing abilities that I can do some of these things, and I'll just like, I can't, I can't do that. I don't know how. And how long does it? How long does it take you? Because you've got faster, but your weekly sketch. How much production time is that taking? You know, a ninety-second sketch takes you how long to edit? I'm guessing a couple of hours. Yeah, about that. I'd say probably for 90 seconds probably about two and a half hours all in all and then i'll put a i'll put it on youtube and put a private link so becca and i can go over it and then we'll make changes so they can go through a couple of different versions before we are happy with it yeah. before it's it's good to go out and sometimes i get it right first try and sometimes it's like four or five different revisions uh I don't think we've ever had to like actually properly reshoot anything, thank God. Um, again, because that's really, really difficult to do right now. I get very few chances to properly shoot, so kind of get as much in the can as humanly possible. Mm. And what what are you using? A phone or a, a, to, to film? No, I, I use an old DSLR. Yeah, the classic. I use an I old Canon right. 500. Uh, <laughs> Great. <laughs> It what? It Hang on, I've, I've got an old DSLR. It's so old it doesn't do video. So let's just. Yeah. Okay, and then so um, yeah, in let's say one ninety-second sketch, and, and for for all of you, is a question. You know, from from I've got an idea to press uh press set, uh, put Publish. onto youtube mm. how many hours uh how many man or woman hours would you say you spend on like a sketch for, for, for all of you per sketch per sketch uh, say roughly for a 90 second sketch for example uh i think it's you know I think it's maybe a, maybe a day all in all or a day or two writing all in all, I would say definitely a full day of filming for each sketch as well. And then a couple of days editing wow. as it, it depends. It depends how, how complex the idea is, but for us, we, we, we do normally do a full day of filming for a That's sketch. effectively a sketch a week. You're saying there. Yeah. 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 I think it's probably a bit closer to our, and what are you filming yeah. on? We at the moment we're quite lucky. We have uh, we have um, one of the projects that we're working on is also given us some kit to film yeah. with. So we sort of we have like a C three hundred Mark II at the moment, which is quite quite nice little camera. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is really exciting to have such a fancy camera and like I mean, obviously Ben is Ben is a professional filmmaker and has like worked at the BBC and things for like years and years now um so but but I've not really made stuff that's like at that level of quality before so I guess it's like anything you can do to get yourself around people who actually know what they're doing with cameras and grading you can definitely do like edit something on your phone and it looks it can look great and do the job but if you can be around people and you can like steal a bit of knowledge from them that's always such an exciting but, but also the, the other thing I say is, is it, it, I think it's a, a potentially a mistake to get like too hung up on like the camera, like the technical stuff that you're using. You just need something that can do the yeah. job. But okay. the fundamentals of filmmaking are the same, whether you're filming on a mobile phone or on a ARRI or whatever that nonsense is. It's like anybody can film something in a really unfunny way. But some people can film things on a phone or whatever, and it can be hilarious. And I think that those 
the, the ramping up of the technical isn't even so much about improving the the comedy quality of the thing that you're doing. It's more about making your life easier. So, for example, I I wouldn't be afraid to shoot on the the an old DSLR. I think that they're great. I think they still really hold up. I think for the stuff that we're doing, they actually translate very well to the internet. But I want XLR inputs so I can plug microphones in rather than putting them into a separate place because I'm shooting on the fly. So it's just things like that that are the and they're just time savers. Not really. It's not really about oh you have to have a massive amazing hundred thousand dollar set up to be able to make something i think that that people can get a little too hung up on i've heard a lot of advice um from youtubers um because i i watch quite a lot of youtube videos about youtubing and stuff and i make various bits and pieces but one of the things they sort of say is you know the best time to start was 10 years ago (laughs) you know the second best time to start is now you know you can't the first one you've you've lost that one but you can start now and just make sure that every video you make is slightly better than the last one Mm -hmm. um rather than rather than being paralyzed with i don't have the right kit the fact is the phone in your pocket was if you'd gone back in time it would have been the best phone in it would have been the best camera in human history in about 1996 (laughs) and it's now free with an iphone se um so you know, bear in mind that the cram, the cam- you've already got a camera that's good enough, unless you're literally Amish. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is, yeah, you you can get hung- once you start to look for advice, it gets very technical very quickly. And I've stopped being, I've stopped looking at podcast forum, Facebook groups, and stuff because I would say sixty percent of it is men talking about microphones. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, and the rest of it is everyone else going, "How do I get more listeners?" That's it. That is all podcasting forum. <laughs> is microphones how do i get more listeners that's it Uh, when i when i first started looking at um getting audacity for this uh doing this podcast a few years back and um i just put a thing on facebook uh on a podcast group saying uh do you recommend what would you recommend for for recording the the complete stranger from the u.s put uh do audacity blah 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 and then the next comment was this furious person saying yeah if you want to get it free and and this is a massive round started and then Oh, oh no! Hell, you know, broke out on a thread. That is terrific. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, just, just again, I want to come back a little bit to this um, us uh, where we were and where you are. And I sort of think about like a typical day for me when I was I would still consider myself. Um, somebody who was trying to get writing work so I'd be you know I'd, my, my week would consist of maybe like one or two or three days of, of paid writing work and then one day of uh coming at working on my own ideas and then maybe one idea of look one day of sort of looking for work from other people and, I, and I'm mm-hmm. aware that the ba- that sort of balance is now kind of out out of the window and I, I so again I, I'm I'm curious to know um for for yourselves you know and you you're you're relatively uh compared to us relatively new to the the world of uh writing and and performing comedy so kind of how what 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 are you doing apart from you know making sketches and putting them out how are you kind of getting yourself uh known or how you how, how how does one get more work uh as a starting out comedy writer 
Complete silence. <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've all answered my question. Well, what does the, what does the next step look like, silence. do you think? I really don't know the answer. I think um, the sort of like game changer for me was just not putting um, too much emphasis. You know, that I, I haven't been in a situation recently where I've been like pitching in specific like sketch ideas. I don't think. Maybe maybe you guys have in the type of show. I have written for topical shows, but rarely have I ever like on spec told someone an idea and then they've been like, you write it and we'll buy it. Like either I've gone in for the day and I'm writing and they don't use anything or I'm not writing on it. <laughs> There's no option where I'm writing and they use it as far Sounds as Sounds like, tell. have I got news um, for you? But then I... <laughs> 100%. Uh, so yeah, it's like sometimes I'm getting writing days on things and I go in and do my best, but otherwise... Um, we're just really trying to, yeah, make, generate projects, make our own stuff. Um, but not, not necessarily for like completely on spec or for free. We're like really are trying, like in our company, we really are looking to sell stuff. So what's been nice for us recently is like, um, kind of looking in interesting new places. Like we're doing a big 48 sketch project with this company pulped.com, which is a website. It's like not a traditional broadcaster, but they like took a big risk on us and funded some stuff there. And that obviously is a great big project, 48. But I think like going to look in non-traditional places or just finding places where you could be making something or someone would pay you a little bit to make something is a kind of worthwhile use of your time. Because once you have it and it's physical, you can show it to people. Mm. And that seems to be much more convincing than sending your writing somewhere for the most part, as far as I can tell. What about um, looking ahead? Uh, is there any, I don't know what the Edinburgh Festival is going to look like this year, but is how, how do we feel about the live circuit and what the possibilities are? Maybe if people have been dis- rediscovering or discovering video, that there's now more opportunity, because previously, maybe three years ago, I mean, the, the, the Edinburgh Festival just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and you could pour your heart and soul into a show and just literally vanish without trace. And I mean, that was even the case back yep. 20 years ago when I was doing stuff. But there's just an outside chance the show was crap. But let's not discuss that. <laughs> um, what? No, that's uh, impossible. So how is how's, how's the live scene looking to you? I think it'll be back. Uh, but I, my work, my, I think all the problems with the live scene that existed before will be mm. back and worse. So there'll be a live scene that's back, but it'll mainly at the beginning be like people who have agents and people who have backing and money behind them and are already liked by venues. So I think we'll see it come back and everyone will feel very bad that they're not a part of it, but realistically only 20 people will be a part of it. And then over the next few years, I'm sure it will, it will like Mm -hmm. trickle back and be an option for people. But I think the nice takeaway is it's not the only option and that loads of people really thrive during this time, making their stuff and putting it online, making even shorts, TikTok stuff. And that really led to more work for them. So hopefully there won't be the, emphasis on like the comedy award or whatever was supposed to be the metric before maybe we've kind of moved away from that. Although to be fair and to to blow my own trumpet slightly here I did um, I was responsible for making the Writers Guild uh, have an award for online comedy which which was introduced about three great three or four years ago and um, it turns out you have to be from the Isle of Wight to win it because the (laughs) the winners have been uh, Marek Lockwood won and uh, uh, Hannah Hannah George won twice and they're both 
Oh yes, yeah. Of course, Hannah, Hannah and Tasha won for some of our quickies yeah, actually. Right. For the, yeah, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah. But but um, if I think you can probably get away with it uh, not being from the Isle of Wight, but but it is <laughs> uh, that that kind of recognition is that happening elsewhere that of of the kind of uh, be, beyond just sort of people making it and beyond the the the, the community. I mean, do, you, you say you get. You, and we we know you can get a zillion hits for a for, for a funny sketch, but does that is is that building anything, or is that just the sort of ephemeral nature of the the internet? I think it feels ephemeral, but that is the metric. Like you know, when you whether you're doing it just for yourself or you're doing it for a broadcaster or for a company, like there has to be some kind of metric for success. And views are the metric that a broadcaster would use. So I think it's like. Yeah, you shouldn't hang all your hopes and dreams and self sense of self on what your videos get in terms of views. But if you can see growth in stuff and you're putting it out and you're seeing growth in it and you're seeing what your audience responds to, that is super useful. And I think people do recognize that from the outside. And I'm just wondering as well, because uh, I say Alex and I were talking about the, 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 the way that the sketch shows of old uh, produce so you got from uh, naked video, for instance, you got uh, Baldy Man and the the other uh, the, the other guy, Rapsi Nesbe, um, yeah, mm. and um, but then and then also, but you know, even like say the two Ronnies, that's where you know you know the writers of uh, Only Fools and Horses and One Foot in the Grave kind of cut cut their teeth on uh, on on those shows do you think there's a possibility that what what you're all doing will you know, you, that you might be able to get more ambitious and be able to kind of you know when you find some really strong writers coming through to be able to kind of give them a chance to do uh longer more uh narrative uh kind of shows would that be possible do you think i think there's uh, been evidence of that already happening um even like years ago, for example, Broad City, an American series on Comedy Central, that started from two improvisers on the internet and they created such well-rounded characters that th a three series, 22 episodes per series show came off the back of it. So mm -hmm. there's evidence that it has happened. So there's no reason to think why it wouldn't mm. keep happening. Mm. Is that somewhere you guys would like to go on Daddy's Super Yacht? <laughs> yeah, I think that that is the, the ambition is to make long form shows at some point i think that uh and yeah i think that we really like building and working with people and developing their sort of professional practice together and we really hope that we'll be able to like transfer some of those things into a longer form piece uh i don't know if we're necessarily going to take the like a sketch that we've made and then go right how can this be a sitcom because lots of our sketches aren't the sketches that we're making at the moment aren't really character based and i think you really need those strong characters to to drive a sitcom um but we are really starting and beginning to identify which writers are really exciting to us which writers really deliver which writers can really respond <laughs> to notes well yeah. as well as like really us so it's um yeah, I think that there we, we are we are sort of creating in our minds anyway a little room of people that we would love to keep working yeah. with and develop longer form projects with. Um, but also, we'd really like to see sketch come back on TV in a big way and work on stuff like that as well. I don't think we we just our goal is just to do narrative stuff. I think we really love sketches as well, and we would really like to see them on television. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. People still watch television. I think it's easy to forget <laughs> that, is that still probably in this country, the majority of TV is when it's been broadcast and when it's on. Yeah. Um, mm. So it's kind of easy to neglect the fact that that is still a very big reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but I think yeah. we should probably wrap things up, Dave. Yeah, well, I just one last question, really, I want to ask is, uh, you've talked a lot about, mm. you know, kind of ending up performing your own stuff. And uh, I don't know, Charlie, as you say, you're a performer as well anyway. But um, what advice would you give to writers who uh, are, would never dream of performing or shouldn't uh, perform? What, what, what advice would you give to them in this situation? Uh, I would I would say like my advice always and I think this is kind of like an ethos that's formed around your show and lots of other like nice places is like find your people you don't have to do everything it's really good to not be scared of doing things and to sometimes just step up and do the thing is a good way to learn but plenty of people want to be actors you will not have any problem finding someone who wants to be in your sketch. So I think you can see yourself as like a more directorial creative force in your vision. If you write something and then you get, you cast some actors and those actors read that and you tell them how to do it in a way. It's like you did it yourself. Any other thoughts? Yeah. So all I was going to say as well is, is just on that point about, you know, people who see themselves more as writers or not performers and i think publishing like publish your stuff get your stuff out there as much as possible i think that there's a bit of a a a culture of of people kind of protecting and hoarding Mm. their ideas in their rooms and never showing them to anyone because they're i I, I don't know they're afraid that someone might steal them no one's going to steal them that's for for, for a start like and if they're stealable they're probably not good (laughs) they're they're not original i think that you I think that you really need to be publishing it, publishing and publishing and publishing your writing as much as possible. Like, like tweeting at the base level, you should be doing absolutely loads of that, but also like short essays or bits. I, I know some writers who have been doing little bits of script and putting them out there in like, like parodies of, of, of bits and stuff like that. And I think that the, the more that people can see you and the more people can see your writing, the, the better, the more people are going to be like, well, I really like that. And we've had examples of that where people have just been publishing on blogs, like big bits of, you know, and we've, yeah. we've loved them and we've been like, right, well, let's get them in and try them on a sketch or try them on a podcast or mm. whatever. So I think just publish, publish, publish everything. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Uh, interesting yeah. uh, idea that I like that. That's a, that's a kind of writing equivalent of, you know, just go out and make sketches. It's yeah, but also, you know, yeah. as Alex was saying, there is already a video footage available. You can get access for not very much money. You can get access to an awful lot of VT footage where you could sort of piece together your own spoof Adam Curtis documentary, you know, where he's, <laughs> yeah, he's always completely. doing that. Mm. Uh, Everything you've ever been told about the way Western life operates since 1971 isn't true. Yeah, you know, right. and or doodles of... like do Anna. I think even Dave maybe was the first person who ever t- told me that he was. I think you you gave me something that was like, um, think about animation. I yeah. don't know if you're still telling people that now. This is like a decade ago. You like look into animation, but we um, work with people who've done like line drawing animations or like picture and picture yeah. and a voiceover. Yeah. Like there are so many ways to be able to yeah. bring your idea to life. In fact, I just made a, um, I've got a book out uh, next month called The Gospel According to a Sitcom Writer. Uh, and <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a basically a load of funny monologues that I've done over the course of years, plus a few new ones. And I did one about the ascension where Jesus at the end of his life ascends into heaven. And I've performed that many times and have record, audience recordings of me doing it. And so 
I've, I've put that on YouTube, but I've used pictures of, the, of old masters of the disciples on the Mount of Olives watching Jesus disappear up and then individual uh, disciples speaking after he's gone going, well, that was weird. Um, and sort of <laughs> Thomas and John and Peter are kind of having a conversation with each other. Um, Fantastic. And so mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think of a visual component, given that all I've got for that is audio. I don't have a video. Yeah. A particular, well, I've got one video of me doing it, but it's not very good. And the audience weren't particularly brilliant. Um, and so I, I was amazing. Sorry, I just want to point yeah. that out. But I was, yeah. it, wasn't, it was there. Yeah, it was the doing. audience. Yeah, I, <laughs> but, remember, I remember that. But I remember but those gigs, uh, the stand-up gigs towards but, the end of my career. Yeah. No, it wasn't you, Dave. It was the audience. Yes, that's right. And actually, I'm reading Born Standing Up, the Steve Martin thing. And it takes a while for you to actually be convinced that he's funny. Because the way he describes how he started, you just think, wow, I think you were just uh, I can relate. <laughs> but the thing I was going to say was that there are non-visual alternatives so and you could even get someone else to voice it there's audio there's podcasts yeah. there's audio books there's blogs uh, as ben said as well but bear in mind also how many shows now are based on existing intellectual property so creating a character creating a world as a series of short stories as a you yeah. know and you you prove the concept and the reason actually that writers aren't great at getting sitcoms on tv and that they're veering towards writer performers is the fact that controllers uh, and execs they they want to take the risk out of it so they'd rather give lee mack a, mm -hmm. a new sitcom because people like lee mack rather than somebody who actually knows how to write but th they just come literally with an idea it just feels like well this has already kind of proven itself in some way so you know loads of things that you just assume are original they're not they're based on a short story an existing property a novel mm -hmm. that nobody read um a blog that you know dozens of people read rather than millions and you know and the ultimate example of that is shit my dad says uh which was a twitter handle which then became a sitcom on it on cbs or nbc starring william shatner um and it didn't it didn't go but it got I think it did six episodes and you just think, mm. well, I, I wouldn't mind failing on that level <laughs> uh, for that amount of yeah. money. Um, so I think if you like writing, write, find a way of getting it out there, be imaginative about that um, and, and, and start now. I think there's an element of confidence in writer performers in that it's somebody going, I've come up with this or me and my writing partner or writing group have come up with this. I believe in it so much, I am going to do it. Or I'm going to find a way to do it, whether it's mm. on camera or just do it as an audio sketch or animate it. Or we did, we did a sketch with puppets. We've, you'll find mm. some way to do it because you really <laughs> believe in it. And I think for people who are looking for comedy, that says a lot. And it says more than, I mm. have a script. And you may read it if you want to. There's, there's a kind of, yeah. there's a bullshitness about someone going, I wrote this, it's good. It's so good I did it. I put my time <laughs> into making it happen. Yeah, yeah. Watch it or listen to it. That's, I, I think that comes with more oomph. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great way to finish, Dave. Yeah, I think so. So whether you're a writer or a writer-performer, or you have that sense of belief in yourself that you can write and perform it and go out there and do it um there are definitely a lot of opportunities uh, a lot more opportunities than you know kind of uh, 
maybe sort of two, three, four years ago. And it is, and it is accelerating, I think, uh, with, uh, since the pandemic, as, as, uh, as some of you have pointed out, you know, online really has kind of seen quite a boost. So lots of stuff to feel a uh, bit more optimistic about. Thanks very much, all of you, for joining us. And uh, just remind us, just uh, uh, before you go, tell us where, you're, where we can find you, Charlie Dinkin and Ben Sutton. Uh, you can find um, our company on Twitter at Daddy Superyacht, or you can listen to the uh, sketch show that we made um, last year, which is called SeanceCast at SeanceCast. Great. And uh, Becca Bain and uh, Alex Garrick-Wright, uh, just remind us again where you where we can find your sketches. Uh, you can find us on Bonnie and Clyde side, and that's on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Fantastic. Yes. Thank you all very much for joining us. And, yeah. uh, Thank you. and you can find my new book. Uh, you can order from <laughs> me personally in the UK. Uh, it's called The Gospel According to a Sitcom Writer. Uh, so follow me on Twitter at Sitcom Geek. And you can follow us at Sitcom Geeks. And you can follow Dave at... Go on, Dave. Dave, uh, Dave Cohen Comedy. Dave Cohen uh, comedy and also my novels coming out soon as well so uh, self published so that that's uh, I've taken Ben's advice and yeah. putting it out there. <laughs> so that's one for another episode but anyway thanks so much for being on the podcast guys thanks so much for yeah, listening at uh, at home or, or wheresoever you are and we will speak to you next time cheerio thank you thank you very much thank lovely you. thank you